so she was a nurse at the base in the 40s. Yeah. So she would have been a nurse out there around the time that whole UFO crash thing happened, right? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? What, what is this really about? I'm sorry, what do you mean? I was just curious. Of, I'm curious about, about like everybody time. else is curious. You're just one of those crazies who want to make a buck off this thing. You know what? I, I think we're done here. Thanks, John. I uh, appreciate. <laughs> Sheesh. When I started a research for this podcast, John was the last person I thought I would ever meet. In fact. I had no idea who John was until I stumbled upon him totally on accident. When I started researching for this podcast, I thought it was going to be a thoughtful, quiet piece about my family in a town I love dearly, whose roots are planted deep. Boy, was I wrong. This podcast became an incredible journey deep into the town I was born and raised in, a town steeped in mystery, conspiracy, lies, and deceit. I've been raised in a city whose very identity, its iconic status, worldwide, is based on lies and unknowns. For most of the world, our story is one that cannot be ignored. For a local, whose blood runs deep, I couldn't want to get further away from the story that has scarred me with its branding. And yet, the epic story of UFO crash landings in the New Mexico desert sucked me in, like it had been rooted deep into my very DNA. Before we can talk about that, or John, or the conspiracy my family struggled to make sense of, we have to go back in time to 1947, and the location where all this began. My name is Kyle Bullock. I'm a born and raised Roswell local, co-owner of Bullock's Jewelry, an avid podcaster. But in this series, I'm just a small fry in a much bigger, crazier story that has been shared throughout the globe. This is Crashed in Roswell, Survivors in the Misunderstood City. If you are from Roswell and travel anywhere in the country, or even the world, you'll get asked the same questions over and over and over again. And you will give the same cheesy answers over and over and over again. Roswell, aren't there aliens there? No, not that we know of. Isn't that where Area 51 is? No, that's in Nevada. Are you an alien? If I was, why would I tell you? I get it. If you hear the name of Roswell, your mind immediately goes to spaceships. UFOs, little green men. You don't know us for the oasis of the desert we really are. With wide open spaces, blue skies, sunny weather, access to desert mountains, and a beautiful community of people. No, you think of aliens. We get it. If you want to get into the lore of what happened in the Roswell Desert, there are certainly a wealth of documentaries and experts who can explain it to you. Trust me, it's more interesting than you probably realize. This podcast, however, is not about rehashing the same story over again. No, this podcast is a crazy, unbelievable journey uncovering a completely new angle of the Roswell Conspiracy. But we will get to that later. 
For now, here's what you need to know about what happened in Roswell all those years ago, the moment that put us on the global map. In July of 1947, rancher William Brazel noticed something scattered across the ground, a mysterious metallic substance he didn't understand or had ever seen before. Curious about it, he took his family out to explore the debris and began to grow unsettled by it. On July 7, 1947, Brazel whispered to Sheriff Wilcox information about the debris and that he had seen something he described as, quote, a flying disc. The sheriff and the rancher examined the debris together. It was described as being like tin foil with bits of tape and sticks nearby. It was unlike anything the men had seen before. Perhaps it would have been enough to shrug off and ignore, if the Air Force had not taken such an interest in it. They ordered for all the material to be inspected at the nearby base, where the 8th Air Force and the Roswell Army Airfield was stationed. They initially said it was a weather balloon, of sorts. Later it would be said it was a nuclear monitoring device. In reality, we aren't sure what exactly it was. The government covered it up, and has not said a word about it since. Not even presidents have been able to uncover some of the mysteries behind Roswell. Seriously, Bill Clinton tried. He was told he didn't have the security clearance. Look it up. Let me sum it up the way a local would. Something crashed. We don't know what it was. The government covered it up. When I began forming this podcast, it really had nothing to do with the Roswell lore, other than the fact that I live here. This podcast started as a journey to discover more about a family, a family I never knew, and the sacrifices they made to let me sit where I do today. I thought this would be a meaningful little glimpse into small-town America and the power of family. Little did I know that their history would lead me to reopen the Roswell conspiracy in ways I could never imagine. Let me set the stage for you with a little background. In 1926, O.L. Bullock started a jewelry company in the New Mexico desert. Why he did is anyone's guess. He had just married, they had a one-year-old baby boy, and he had to borrow $1,500 from his wife to open the store. He then went on to weather a depression and a dust bowl, not the best time for the jewelry business. His son Dixon would grow up to run the store. He studied at Texas Tech University, where he met my grandmother Pat. They married, moved to Roswell. He took over the store from his father. Then, Pat and Dixon had two sons, Glenn and my dad, Don. Then, in 1975, Dixon was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. By the following year, he had passed, leaving the jewelry store as his only form of life insurance, and in the hands of a 17-year-old, my dad. Fast forward 40-plus years. I joined the business and now co-own the company with my father. We are still in the same building we've been in for the last 50-plus years. The pictures, receipts, and notes in storage are really all I have to learn about my grandfather and the legacy of family that has weathered so much. I started this podcast as a journey to learn about the grandfather I never knew. I only have a few stories from my grandmother, my father, and my uncle to go on. There are so many questions I still have about the man, about his father too. 
I wanted to make a touching tribute to family and the power of perseverance. So I started with the first link I had to the past, those pictures and mementos in my office. That's when I found the picture. All right, what we got? Is this uh, 19, was this 1926? 26, 25. 25, this is the original location? As far as I know, yeah. That's great granddad. At least, yes, yes, that's him. Sharp looking dude. Did uh, did your dad take a lot of pictures? Dad was big on photography, he loved photography, yes. That voice is my dad, Don Bullock. He's been running the family business since 1976, when his dad, my granddad, Dixon, passed away. Well, this is a big question. What was Dixon like? I mean, <laughs> he's your dad, but I mean, how was he known? Dad was known as a very, uh, I think he was considered to be an honest man. I think he was considered to be uh, a straightforward guy. He liked to, he, he was very much a family man. He was very devoted to his, to his family. And that took precedence over everything else. So, you know, he was, but he, he enjoyed having a good time. Did, did he have a lot of close friends? Uh, yeah, he, he did definitely growing up. And of course, he, even as he got older, when I got to know him, he still had some very close friends, yes. What was your grandfather like? As uh, Kind of the same, how, what was your grandfather known as? I honestly don't know a whole lot about my granddad because you got to remember I was only five or six years old when he passed, and he was in the nursing home for for most of that time. So yeah. I think uh, he was a very distinguished guy. He seemed to be well regarded, and just the fact that he was successful in the community, uh, getting through the depression, I figured he must have had some things going for him. We were shuffling through a tub of pictures and receipts haphazardly tossed together into a pile. The box still sits in my office today, on top of our desk, waiting to be filed away somewhere, somehow. It's a random assortment of things. Pictures from the store, old appraisals and receipts from customers, invitations to the grand opening of the store. The first impression I had of my granddad Dixon when going through his things is that he liked collecting memories. If he were alive today, he'd probably be a scrapbooker. Huh. So is that him in uh, in college? Yeah, that was a picture of my dad in college. I don't have too many of them, uh, but yeah, that was one of them. Huh. I can see he was real studious. <laughs> well, <laughs> dad, like I said, dad had a good time. <laughs> Dixon was great at collecting and saving photos. There are pictures of him throughout the years each with a caption underneath it giving the details on who was in the picture and why it was important. For instance, on one page of a photo album, he had pictures of himself in a college fraternity photo, all of the guys dressed in suits and ties and labeled with their names. On the opposite side of the page is a picture of a canvas painting of a naked lady with the caption, Hard at work, studying. Sounds about right for a 20-something bachelor in college. Around this time, I pick up a stack of even older prints. They span Dixon's childhood. Unlike today, where we have a million pictures for each year, he had less than one per year. Back then, if you took a picture of someone, it meant something. It meant that everyone and everything in that photo was important. It was their moment to share what 
and who really mattered to them. So I stopped and took a long look at a photograph from his teenage years featuring three strapping young men at a lake. One of them was my granddad. The other was a tall, skinny kid in thick black glasses and short shorts. They both looked around 16 or 17 years old. They had their arms around each other, smiling. At their feet, a scrappy young kid sat wincing against the sunlight in his eyes. Who are these guys? Uh, that one's Dad right there. And I don't know. I'm not too sure about the others. Is that, that, like, is that Lake Van in the back? It looks like it could be. Lake Van is a lake not but a few miles south of Roswell in a town called Dexter. It's been a casual gathering spot over the years, mostly for fishing and cooking out with family. I flipped the picture over and confirmed my suspicions. Written in impeccable handwriting was the words Lake Van, and then three names, penned in the same recognizable print. Hank, me, and the alien kid. The alien kid. I asked my dad about it. He had no idea. So... <laughs> Hank, it says Hank and then Alien Kid. I don't know. I'm not sure who Hank is. I mean, who, uh, so you never heard a joke like that or, or a nickname? <laughs> no, I'm, I really, I've, I've seen that picture, but I never had to look on the back. So that's, that's I don't know. <laughs> that's weird. Huh. Alien Kid. After scouring through photos and albums, I found no signs of these guys anywhere else. Those words, alien kid, echoed in my head. Why would he identify this kid as that? And who was he? Well, it was something, and I fancied myself a researcher, so I chased the lead. My granddad was a devout member of the Methodist Church, one of the oldest churches in our community. By old, I mean very old. The kind that keeps directories and details of their members for nearly a century. Luckily, I didn't have to crawl through a dank church basement to find old directories. My grandfather came to the rescue with a copy of his own from that period. I thumbed through it for what seemed like ages, examining each and every face, looking for a match. And there he was, on page 37. Hank. I now had a confirmed match and his last name, as well as the name of his little brother, John. One good thing about being in business as long as we have, our client records go way back, and I mean way back. So I dug into our records to find Hank. No match. I looked for John. Nothing. I turned to Google searches. Nothing credible. I then went to a last resort, something so far-fetched, I didn't believe it would actually work. I pulled out an old phone book. There he was, John's name and number. Could it be the same John? Would this guy know about my granddad and why he dubbed him the alien kid? Would he even take my call? There was only one way to find out. I picked up the phone and dialed the number. Uh, John, my name is uh, Kyle Bullock from Bullock's Jewelry. How are you today? Uh, uh, oh, fine, I guess. Good. Uh, Hey, listen, I'm I'm doing some research on my family. You know, we, we go way back here in Roswell, and um, I'm just trying to know my family and, and our history a little bit better. And uh, I understand that you knew my grandparents, Dixon and uh, 
and Pat Bullock? I was wondering, would you uh, would you be willing to sit down and and talk about him with me? I didn't I didn't know my grandfather, um, and I I've always wanted to know more about who they were. I'd just love to ask you some questions about them if if you're willing. Well, oh, I guess so. Great. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. You you tell me when is good, and we'll we'll get together and do that. What happened next was a landslide of conspiracy and cover-ups, all baked into a small-town lore that seemed too hard to believe at first. But that's how it is when you're yet another survivor in a misunderstood city. On the next episode of Crashed in Roswell, my visit with John goes sideways and begins to uncover an uncomfortable truth that there is more to the Roswell lore than meets the eye. A lot of man hours, time, and love went into this podcast. You can support all the great people who have worked on this by visiting crashedinroswell.com, where you can check out merch from our store, including t-shirts, mugs, and yes, COVID face masks. Crashed in Roswell is created, produced, and narrated by me, Kyle Bullock. The theme song is by Brian Hunley. Special thanks to David Lankford and Ryan Bishop for their advice and help with this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Crashed in Roswell. That's Crashed, the letter N, Roswell, to check out exclusive behind-the-scenes content and info for each episode. If you like the show, make sure you hit subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay up to date on every new episode of Crashed in Roswell survivors in a misunderstood city.